We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Jack Borman of CandiceHoopus.com is joining me here tonight live, but not live, but at Target Center. We are here. The Timberwolves won an actual game. We have actual basketball to talk about. The score, I'm going to get it right, was Timberwolves 120, Pelicans 110. Jack, I came to Target Center today coming into this game thinking it would be the no D'Angelo Russell game, and that would just, as I'm you know, picturing my titles of the podcasts and listing off the reasons why they lost beyond D'Angelo Russell being out. And quite frankly, I didn't really see any sort of you know, path for this game to be defined by anything kind of you know, other than that. And I sit here now and I think about this game as the Ricky Rubio game, I think. And you know, his stat line was like nine, seven, and seven, which doesn't blow you away or anything. But I, I felt this was a Ricky Rubio point guard game. Was that your? Did you have a bigger takeaway than that, or was that just kind of the the way you define this one too? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that offensively, it was absolutely the Ricky Rubio game. Um, you know, I you could tell from the jump that uh, Ricky was a lot more involved in calling plays tonight. And, and kind of directing directing the show. Um, and, and Ryan said that after the game that, that you know, he referenced that, that Ricky played in more structured offenses in his previous two stops in Phoenix and Utah and that, that those coaches called more plays. And, and that's kind of more of a Ricky's um, kind of natural habitat, if you will, and that he's a lot more comfortable in that environment. And so he made more of a concerted effort to, to call more plays. And, and you could really see, you know, Ricky doing a great job of, of looking over at, at Ryan, getting hand signals and, and calling out plays. 
um, and really just kind of telling guys what spots they need to be in and um, and kind of how that works. Um, and, and that was that was really, really helpful, I think, f- to get a lot of the other role players going in the game uh, as early as, you know, the first quarter, which I, I think just kind of changed the whole entire energy of, of the game and, and hopefully this team moving forward in the next few games. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> hopefully. No, I mean, I, I think for, for me, and you say it was Ricky Rubio calling the plays, I mean, what I noticed right away was Ryan Saunders was calling the plays, and they were. Well, well yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not like trying to make you wrong. I'm saying it was like a, it was like a mind meld sort of thing, and that has not been, um, you know, kind of like football style offensive coordinator in the quarterback's helmet, you know, telling him what to do, and that a lot of hand signals from the bench. A lot of lot of hand. I mean, it is the hands down the most comfortable I've ever seen Ryan Saunders on the sidelines in any Timberwolves basketball game I've covered in person you know in in my time and a lot of that is just because you know in previous stops um or previous games they don't run a lot of sets and um it is their offense generally speaking their offensive system is kind of i remember shabazz napier he he said it best last year so we don't we don't have plays we have spots on the floor and we react to those spots on the floor like that is the timberwolves baseline offense and they mix in sets beyond that and Tonight was, I mean, action over action, you know, two squeeze and four low away and all, all these different things. I mean, it's that isn't normal. Like, that it wasn't normal for this team, and I thought it was a I, – I just thought it was such a stark contrast to the way we've seen this team be organized, you know, in the first 14 games of the season when D'Angelo Russell was a point guard who – more so kind of fits into that um free free flowing structure right kind of game yeah and and i noticed it right away i I thought that that just in the first quarter that part of the game plan was to try and run more you know dribble handoff you know high pick and roll with with secondary action or with dummy action on the backside to just kind of distract bigs and take bigs away from the rim so that you know the wolves would kind of be able to mitigate the size miss or the the size mismatch that way because um, because Rick, yeah, Ricky right. Rubio was getting to the rim, Malik was getting to the rim. I mean, he missed missed a few bunnies at the rim, but but you know Jared Vanderbilt then was doing a great job of, of crashing the glass. Um, and, and I think ultimately the the biggest reason why the Timberwolves were successful on offense was because um, you know they found ways to get the bigs out of the paint, uh, and and Ricky Rubio just did a phenomenal job of of penetrating and getting the ball to to guys in his spots. And he said post game that. Um, you know, he was calling guys out by name, saying, I know this guy likes to be here, this guy likes to be there. Um, and now we're kind of starting to see the the value add and the beauty of Ricky Rubio and, and what he can do when he understands his teammates better. Um, and, and obviously the hope was that, that Ricky would would get better as the season goes on and, and he, you know, gets acclimated to the system and, and knows guys better. And, and we certainly saw that tonight. Um, I'm I, I'm sure that that had a lot to do with the ball being in his hands more than it than it is usually when when D'Angelo Russell's in the lineup. But um, but it's nice to see that you know Ricky feels like he's he's kind of getting more comfortable just here and with with his teammates. Right, and it, it's it you know it now begs the question of you know what the hell is going to happen at point guard you know going forward uh, like how are how are you going to to structure this because you know previous conversations or idea you know philosophical conversations about what the Wolves are going to do at point guard 
you know, have been theoretical, right? In in that, oh, Rubio, Rubio is better with the ball in his hands. Well, prior to tonight, there'd been no evidence of that, you know, really. It's it, hard to quantify it. Yeah, it, or, I mean, over, you know, the first 14, because Rubio struggled. Um, a lot of the times when the ball was in his hands, it was with the second unit or just in kind of bad games. And and then it had been like, okay, is he sharing the floor with D'Lo? D'Lo's kind of the main guy. And I, I think even by halftime of this game, what we learned was that you either, like, you got to commit now. You got to say, is Rubio is Rubio this the guy who you are exclusive are only playing when Delo's not on the floor. And and having him be the main ball handler of that group, or are you going to risk it? And are you going to decide to play him along DeAndre, alongside DeAndre Russell? And then from there, what are you going to do? Who's going to be the point guard when those when those two are out there? Because thus far, when that's happened, you know, 90% of the time it's been Delo and it hasn't worked. So you, you you ride the high of this, and you go, well, can we invert that? Can Rubio be the point guard when the two of them are out there? Can D'Lo, you know, be the off-ball guy? I feel like we'll keep asking this question of, can Rubio play off-ball? Can Rubio play off-ball? Well, can, you know, can D'Lo? Or do we not even want to mess with it, you know? And just and just say, you know, D'Lo gets 31 minutes, Rubio gets 17. Like, those are – I just think it's time to pick and and jump on one. Yeah, I, I think that it's really easy tonight to just say, okay, we'll have Ricky Rubio play point guard and D'Angelo Russell play off of him. But yeah, I, but I can't. I mean, it's, that's not, that's a non-starter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just so easy to say that. But but I think when you see it play out on the floor, there's just so much more that goes into it. I think that you know Ricky Rubio did a phenomenal job of you know kind of helping tell guys when they should cut, when they should be spaced out in the corner when to pull the ball back out when when the spacing and the offense was poor um and he did a really good job playing with ed davis i think too of of kind of you know getting ed davis more to kind of above the break on the wings for handoffs or or really high screens and and that did a great job of pulling bigs out of the paint which opened things up for guys like culver or kogi or beasley or mcdaniels or vanderbilt to to kind of get in and attack the lane and and also just open the lane up for offensive rebounding opportunities too which is great um but but when going back to to rubio and russell i think that you know if you're prigioni or you're saunders i think you gotta sit down with d'lo and go through the film of this game and look at where you know culver was or, or beasley was tonight and say you know this is what we need you to do and that you know, I, I think that if, if D'Angelo Russell really wants to be successful here, um, there, there's got to be enough buy-in and comfortability in the way that the team is going to use him, and it has to be a multifaceted but he, approach. He's also been successful, though, too, himself, D'Lo has. Especially in Brooklyn, playing with guys. Playing no, 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 I'm saying he's been successful here the last four games with the Timberwolves. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, that's fair. Russell, I said the other guys hadn't been successful around him, so... So I don't think the the question is. Well, I was just saying in the in the two guard system. Right. Okay. Sure. But I, I there, there's also going to be this, which you know, I, I perpetuated, like the oh Rubio's better than Delo. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm not suggesting oh it's time to move Delo to like sixth man role. Like no, it's about how do we, how do we find a way to you know make this coexist because obviously Delo's going to be the guy and everything. <laughs> you, great. You beat the Pelicans tonight on their sixth game on the road in a row. Like. 
let's not crown anyone here off of this performance. D'Angelo Russell's still the team's, you know, second best player, and clearly the team is constructed in a way to be have Russell and Cap be your cornerstone. So th- this is a, a tertiary question of, you know, how do you make the, the Rubio and, and Russell thing work? Because Ryan and Ricky can have had the happiest night ever, but they both know in their heads that if they run this out for a full season where Rubio is your point guard, you know, with a, a group like this, your team's still getting winning you know 25 percent of your games mm-hmm. if there's just there's just not enough talent there the talent on this team lies in russell and cat so that is still going to be your tent pole but rubio showed tonight what a lot of people hoped at the beginning of the year that he was is in fact the third best player on this team so so he's important you know and he's got he's got to play like this to be the third best player or or fourth you know malik too um but it's the how, right? It, it, it's it's the how, and that's that's a huge question because I just, unless Rubio is exclusively a backup point guard playing 16, 17 minutes a game, this exact thing is not duplicable in a in a bigger role because D'Lo's presence it remains on this roster. So it's a it's a problem, and, and I think it's going to be a problem too because another thing that I wanted to talk about was. Something that I don't know if it was seen much on TV, but Malik Beasley's body language in the third and fourth quarters was terrible. And walking out after the game when they won, like Vanter pulled his arm around him. I saw that too. That was yeah. weird. Yeah, and and so I, I tweeted about it a few times because it was really sticking out to me. Um, you know, I had a player prop on Malik Beasley, so maybe I was <laughs> I was watching Malik Beasley a little bit more than than the average person would, but. Um, but Malik Beasley, I think it was like mid third or early mid third, um, was wide open in the, in the right corner, um, th- on three or four possessions in a row mm-hmm. and the wolves scored on, on maybe one of them. And, and he, and on the fourth one, finally, he was jumping up and down in the corner. The one where Ricky Rubio drove to his left and threw the ball over the basket and got fouled where yeah. he was wider than wide open in the corner, jumping up and down. And even the next two or three possessions where the Wolves were getting stops, I mean, he was walking and barely jogging back up the floor because I think he was pissed that he wasn't getting the ball. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter... You well, know, and he has, well, just not to cut you off, but he, and he has gotten the ball a ton in the D'Lo-led offense. Exactly, and, I, and yeah. he's so tight with D'Lo that I, I thought it, his energy... I mean, and before the game, I mean, he was dancing like there was... I, he, I mean, I've been here a few times now and kind of seen him, and he looked juiced and ready to go tonight and he was dancing doing his thing and and then in the third quarter you know once he finally gets the ball he just started chucking you know I think he took maybe one three from the left pocket that that was a good look this but sounds I mean, like a Malik problem to me oh it is it yeah. is I'm, I'm just I mean, saying that they, it, I they won the game this is their fourth win like they I, I don't know I mean if he didn't get his chance to chuck and he didn't get you know he didn't get his shots and he didn't get the the stuff in the corner like I don't know, man. Like, but if this team's going to be shorthanded and and it might take Cat a little bit of time to get ramped up, yeah, they I mean, gotta I mean, yeah. I mean, it cannot be a me over we thing, especially if your team has been so shitty for the last eight games, whatever it's been without Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, there there is just no space or time for for your you know third best scorer to to be upset because 
the team is winning and he's not having as great yeah, of a Yeah, because night everyone else played really does. well, right? Like, I mean, did anybody else in the 10-man rotation, like, have a bad game? No, like, every every single person in the 10-man rotation was either even or plus tonight. Yeah. And, I mean, I think Edwards had, a like, another bad, bad shooting night, but that's just kind of, you know, par for the course. But, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say anybody, like, stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, in, in, in what they were doing. And I think that's a, you know, that's a testament to a team win, right? And also a testament to what, you know, what I think Ryan and by proxy Ricky wanted to make happen. That was the path to winning this game. Was And it couldn't have, couldn't have gone better. Um, I, I guess my thing is, you know, as a fan of, of Malik Beasley, um, you know, it, it's it's just unfortunate that, you know, he's saying that, that Rome, we're going to build Rome soon and, and we get a building built and the Roman emperor just isn't having it. <laughs> You know, I, I thought that, that you know, I, I guess for him to just be such a high energy guy and just such like a fun loving, like just jacked up dude, I, I guess it was disappointing for me to not see him have that same same vibe when the yeah. team was playing really well collectively in one the, game. The, there's this thing. And I, I, I don't I, I don't know. I, I don't know how other people perceive this to be happening, but very much my perception is in Malik's head. He views himself as the leader of this team understanding that cat's the best player but that he's the leader that's what i think goes through and kind of like a heart and soul guy yeah and i mean i don't know how much you know, people listen to this have like listened to him on the press conferences on youtube and stuff like that but like he, he says this stuff all the time you know it's my team i'm the i'm the leader like a leader and sometimes he says the leader and stuff like that and that, i'm not i'm not saying that's that's a bad thing at all but <laughs> Ricky Rubio was the leader tonight. Absolutely. And in the end of that game, if people didn't watch it, it was for this team it was an absolute nightmare to execute the last two minutes of the game in terms of breaking a press and, you know, knowing late game situation stuff and matchups and free throws and how to use timeouts and everything like that. And if it could pick up on TV or not, I'm not sure. But Rubio was coaching everyone on the yep. floor the whole time, just saying, you have to be here, you have to do that. And on the very last free throw things, him and he, like, forcibly removed Malik from, like, being in a box-out situation on, like, on the block there to, you know, matching up with his man, um, who was, I think, whoever was in at the end of the game for the uh, – Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was like, no, you, you're not going to rebound this one. You're, that's your guy, Eric Bledsoe. Like, <laughs> you have to be with him. They're going to have the ball after this – after Culver shoots his free throw, they're going to have the ball, so you need to be with your guy because we're going to go back and transition defense. Like, Ricky, with a bullet, is right there. But how I perceived the body language was he didn't like being told what to, being do. Told what to do. And I go back to what I went into in that Orlando game that I that people couldn't see yep. on the broadcast was the exact same thing happened with Ryan and Vantable yelling at him to, again, guard Cole Anthony and do that, and he did, and he didn't like that either. In both situations, Ryan and Vanderpool were right. Ricky was right in that spot. Like, yeah, this isn't freelance. You know, you, you just you got to execute at, at, the, at the end of games. And Malik has been a great steadying presence, you know, for this team. Big picture like in the aggregate yeah, of the oh, year. Yeah, for sure. But um, he's also 23, 24, right? Like, he doesn't. He hasn't played in a lot of late game situations. And he, he doesn't also, know what to do. And he, yeah, he's twenty three or twenty four, but he also just hasn't played in a lot of games. Yeah, and it's I mean he's growing on the fly too. And 
Um, even that good year in Denver, like I wonder how many games he was in closing lineups for. Oh, I mean, maybe if Barton was hurt or Harris yeah, was hurt or, or something. Or, or was really rolling. I mean, I don't – yeah. Yeah, I just – yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you're only as smart as a, being able to admit what you don't know. 100%. And I, I think that, you know, for him it's just got to be able to accept that, you know, I'm not going to be right 100% of the time or just because I'm scoring 25 points – that doesn't automatically exempt me from being told what to do at the end of a game if I'm not in the right spot. Um, so I mean, it, there, there's things that everybody's got to work on, I guess. And but it's, know, a, and it's it's an interesting. It's the little things for him, I guess. Not, we're we're at this interesting spot where there's this like, oh, Rubio, you did, you did great, <laughs> and then we're like, wait, are you a terrible match with D'Lo? <laughs> wait, <laughs> are you a terrible match with Beasley? Like those are the second and third best players just, on this team. It was just like a I don't know, it was just an observation that I had that Oh, that you know, was I, very true, very much that I that tonight. I just hope doesn't linger, I guess. And I guess it was also something that, that maybe we could see more or only we could be able to really see I have a terrible feel more. for like what that is. Sometimes I like I'm like tweet they're the games like I don't know if this showed up on TV or not, but I think but, it helps that I kind of have gone back and forth between right, like yeah. being here and watching on TV, but um, um no. let's uh let, let's talk about the the rest of the, again a lot of guys played well in this group let's get into kind of the rest of the guys in the in the game as a whole but let's take a quick break here first what's up everybody we have something to tell you about here at blue wire and that is that we love sports betting and whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors and that's the action network the action network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains in fact their action network app was recently named the best app in sports betting and with an action network pro subscription you can unlock the very best of the app when you sign up for an action pro action network pro subscription you can access the pro report which includes expert projections for every game you can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com 
and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. All right, Jack, I think from a Pelicans side of the equation standpoint, um, I was shocked by how little their physicality mattered tonight. I mean, again, going into this game, no D'Lo. And they're starting Steven Adams and Zion Williamson. What what are the like what in the world are the Wolves gonna do to not get crushed in the physicality battle here? And it went the complete opposite direction. I thought it was one of Nas Reed's best games of the season, I guess that of his career. I mean, and it, they handled Zion. I thought Ed Davis did a great job on him. I mean, obviously Zion's still gonna make make some big plays, but why did New Orleans' size not matter tonight after the Wolves have just got squished by so many other opponents? That's not a Rubio thing. <laughs> no, it's not a Rubio thing. Um, the, so the first thing is is defensive or excuse me, offensively for the Wolves. Um, they played at a much faster pace, uh, and and I think that that helps just to to push the ball and and potentially tire guys out, but also just try and dictate the game and like dictate the game on and make the game be played on your terms and I think when when the game can be played on your terms um, I think you're just inherently at an advantage because you're probably in more of a comfort zone than the other team is and New Orleans plays at one of the slowest paces in the NBA Um, and and so I thought that that was that was a big part of it and then like I mentioned before I thought you know Nas Reed and Ed Davis spent a lot more time on the perimeter tonight setting screens being involved in dribble handoffs being used in in dummy screens or dummy actions away from the play um that pulled out Adams and Zion exactly because I think you know and and I and I made a little Twitter thread earlier this week about Jarrett Culver and why Jarrett Culver has struggled so much without Cat essentially too long don't read it's because Ed Reed or Nas is in the paint too much and there's not a clear paint for Jarrett Culver to drive. And tonight and last and, and, and in last night's game too, I thought that the Wolves did a much better job of figuring out ways to get those guys out of the paint so that players could drive the lane. Um, and, and, you know, tonight, tonight it worked beautifully because Jarrett Culver and, um, you know, Jarrett Culver, Anthony Edwards, uh, Malik Beasley, Ricky Rubio even, um, and, and Nas too. I mean, just didn't have didn't have other guys in the paint that they really had to worry about all that much when they were when they were attacking the rim. I think the Timberwolves system, you know, is that they've bantered about of, you know, playing with you know, playing with pace, spreading the floor, and then on defense, you know, forcing teams to take the mid-range, dropping your big back to force teams into taking mid-range shots, you know, all of those sort of things that we've come to understand to be the hopeful ethos of the Timberwolves system that, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, we're doing this again. Like, that system is built to work against a team that plays like the New Orleans Pelicans, who like to play slow and who have players who, if you give them that space in the mid-range, they're not going to you know, they're not going to kill you from there outside of, you know, maybe Brandon Ingram. They'll take the shots. You know, they're not going to use that mid-range space to spray it to the corner. Like, they're the Stan Van Gundy. I mean, Stan Van Gundy is a early 2000s coach. And 
the Gerson Rosa's analytic system is built to beat the ideologies of the early 2000s. And as I was watching that game and the Wolves were in the second half just kind of extending the lead, it was such a product of that where when they had the ball in their hands, they were playing. The ball had an energy. They were, you know, they were moving the ball either up the court with pace or within the half court, moving the ball around. And then the Pelicans, when they had the ball, was a slog that would lead, you know, to a screen and, you know, Josh Okogie trying to fight over it and contest a Brandon Ingram, you know, mid-range shot, an Eric Bledsoe mid-range shot. They weren't – the Wolves dropped back to the rim and they said, we're going to let you guys work from 10 to 18 feet, however you want. Even Zion, like Davis, was dropped back on him so much the the whole time, or Vanderbilt when he was on him. And this is who – these are the teams that this works again. This is how you win the math battle – with this system, that's one of the only times I can remember being able to to say that now in the, the two years since Rosas and Saunders have implemented it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing that Timberwolves did that was probably a byproduct of sagging off those guys a little bit more and giving them the mid-range was it allowed guys in the backside or guys in the short corner playing in the help to really put added pressure on you know Adams and Zion when they posted up. Um, and I think that it forced it kind of forced uh, you know guys like Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Ingram who were trying to get the ball into the post um, you know to to throw that kind of outside bounce pass to the you know kind of the, to the corner of the baseline uh, but with added pressure I mean those guys turned the ball over a ton in that first quarter I think New Orleans had six or seven turnovers in the first quarter um and they were shooting you know 55 percent or something like that in the first quarter um and they just kept turning it over because of that added pressure um and i also think that the timberwolves help side defense on the back end tonight was awesome especially with zion Mm -hmm. um you know there was you mentioned ed davis did a did a great job guarding zion when he did Uh, but even too when jared vanderbilt was matched up on zion um I, i think that jared vanderbilt did a great job of not trying to be overly physical with Zion because if I think if you get physical with Zion, you're just setting yourself up to lose automatically. No, they clearly had a the the film on him. The scouting report was once he brings the ball in front of you at the rim, that's when you know you're dropping back and you're poking away at it. Then that they was were clearly. very clearly trying to let Zion not let, but try and kind of guide Zion into a certain spot, then to where you know, the back end help side defense, notably Jaden McDaniels, yeah. who was great to come over and, you know, really try and impact yeah, the, his, his big block is like uh, oftentimes big blocks are not indicative of a good yeah. overall defensive and, and, set, but it was. And that was a David Vanterpool special to me because that's exactly what we saw from David Vanterpool teams in Portland. They had really long rangy wings like Al Farouk Aminu, notably yeah. on the back end who, who would, really help out when they'd kind of funnel everything to a certain spot kind of near the block um, with, with Yusuf Nurkic down there and then just having um, Aminu or Evan Turner um, or Rodney Hood or, or even Jake Lehman just kind of help on the backside and just contest right. shots. And I thought that that formula uh, also did a really – did a number on New Orleans and in, in trying to kind of yep, use, solid that was phys- enough. use that physicality <laughs> like, against them. Yeah, it's uh... – it's in, it's it's interesting, you know, to see it work. And I'm not saying that's the only time that has worked defensively over. Uh, we 
but it's nice to see that they came up with something and said, you know, we feel confident about throwing this out there and and they executed it. And I mean, it and this was a it's good to see. This was, you know, and everyone thinks I'm the Saunders acolyte, but I don't know how any I, I you're not. I mean, this was a good coach game, right? Like I, he, I thought that this was a great coach game. Yeah. You know, I I've tried to I've tried really hard to just call things how I see it and yeah. try not to attach, you know, like try not to get too attached, I guess, to like a player or, or a coach or someone. Um, For sure. But but I think that Saunders did a great job tonight. I, I thought that, you know, doesn't re- delete and, I, and and it doesn't delete that I'm things focused. he hasn't done in the past. I, I try yeah. and come into every game right. saying, you know, we've never seen a game on January 23rd against the Pelicans with this line. Like, I just try and come in with a fresh open mind. And I thought Saunders did a great job of really pairing McDaniels and Ed Davis together because I think that, I think that the addition of McDaniels into the rotation has really helped space out lineups that, that Ed Davis has been a part of. I would have never guessed. I would have (laughs) never guessed. Like as as we started scraping the bottom of the barrel, I would have never guessed that Jaden McDaniels is like a, special sauce to we put could it look back in two months and say holy shit Jaden mcdaniels might have saved the timberwolves season and <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not going that far <laughs> well i'm just saying like if cat comes back and they and they can get this train sort of back near the tracks all i'm saying is what do you think is going to happen at power four um, so let's say let's what, say Cat and Wancho are back. What do I think is going to happen, or what do both, I want both. to have happen? Well, so what I want to have happen is Jake Lehman and Wancho to not see the floor at all. Yeah, okay. I don't think that. Those, so the same power forward rotation. I think that the starting five should be D'Lo, Malik, Josh, Vanderbilt, and Cat, mm-hmm. and then your bench five, I guess, should be Rubio, Culver, Edwards, McDaniel's, and Davis, and I think that. Obviously, you can do what Brian's been doing, which is very, very clearly taking D'Lo out early and getting Ricky in there, so that you know D'Lo can play with Ed Davis and or be in, play in the bonus, as Ryan said in his pregame Zoom today. He said um, that a lot. Yeah, and, and 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 I think that really McDaniel's just helps that second unit have more spacing because I think we saw that when when Vanderbilt would play with Davis in kind of the second unit when they first kind of started experimenting with that. Oh, that would never work. That's not. Or even work. when, or even when Edwards, uh, or excuse me, even when Layman was was playing the four, or Wancho was playing the four, and they weren't you know making shots or, or spacing the floor. Um, you know, it just led to kind of a disaster for that second unit, and having McDaniel's there. Um, to just kind of space the floor out and be another guy who can who can knock down threes, I think it's going to be really helpful for that second unit in, in opening the paint up. Okay. But is Wancho going to play? He shouldn't. I think he's but, but going he would, to. I think know. he's going to, and, and they're gonna, I think they're going to try and put Wancho back in. Uh, in McDaniel's in spot. Mc, in the McDaniel's spot, but I think they got something in McDaniel's on both ends of the floor. And, and, you know, I think that Wancho, best case offensively, is like what we see in that Denver game where he had, where he just is yeah. hitting all of his shots and, and, you know, getting to good spots on the floor and knocking down shots. But, you know, on defense, like McDaniel's value on defense with this team is real. For sure. And, and, and you know, I just, I just don't think that Wancho can offer anything even remotely close to that and that if the energy that McDaniel's brings on that end of the floor can help ignite the team – You've got to keep him in there. We're getting the eyeballs here because we got five minutes, man. We're good. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll be done in five minutes. We're recording. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I think I think I'm 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 with you there too. In that it it shouldn't be you know Jake or Wancho in in the mix, um, but, but it's it's hard for me to not. It's gonna be it's gonna be very telling in, in how much of this is based on are we trying to win now, you know, versus or are we trying to lean into the investments that have you know been made right and what when you say that when you say investments that have been made are you referring to try and develop mcdaniels faster or are you referring to play wancho well that's what i'm saying that's why mcdaniels is an interesting one because because i mean you can say that rosas has planted his flag on Jaden mcdaniels just as much as he's planted his flag on wancho that's exactly where i wanted to go next yeah. because i mean rosas is feeling the, there's no doubt that that he knows that the wancho investment has not been a good one yeah he's has watched not, the game has not looked like yeah. a good one yeah. um but he also drafted Jaden McD- he also took a flyer on Jaden mcdaniels in the ricky rubio trade which i'm which i might add and, and he's he's looking like the best rookie that the timberwolves have and and i think Crazy. i would much rather throw mcdaniels out there and be like i'm gonna i'm gonna bet on this kid because you know i took a flyer on him in, in late in the first round mm-hmm and I he's think, been playing well, so I'm going to keep rolling with it. Like if it, like if he's the one that's mandating that that Wancho is playing, I would rather, if I were Rosas, I would rather say, you know what, f it, you know, put McDaniel's out there over Wancho and and let this. I think thing the ride. COVID thing will will provide a, uh, especially kind of an off ramp there. You know espe- where, especially if he wasn't in great shape like before mm-hmm. he got COVID, and now he's got COVID, and it might take him. Right. I mean, who knows? And and also an important data point is what does Jaden McDaniels look like on a cat team? This is the team that played tonight is the summer league wolves, you know, like all of these, all of this stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. Like we're watching the games and, you know, you want to see the team win and everything. But a lot of the information we're gathering is in a fairly irrelevant context. What What everyone's doing right now, like it is. The team is playing, going to play complete. I'm not even. This isn't even like McDaniel specific. It's it's okay. everything. It's like for I'm trying to think of a player. Like for example, okay, like Anthony Edwards. He he was playing better at the beginning of the season. He, he played better in like the first two games, right? Mm-hmm. Or in in the games that Cats played. The 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 San Antonio game, right? That they lost. Cat was you know Edwards Edwards had a good game there. So there there is a fair argument to be said that is like. All right, what has happened in the games that Cat played versus what has happened in the other games? Obviously, there's been way other ga- way more other games, but though this this is irrelevant. <laughs> playing playing a game like this is irrelevant. It, it Ricky Rubio they they went game I, manager I was, quarterback. I, I was going to say that I think this game might be more relevant because D'Lo didn't play. And the reason why I'm I'm a little bit more hesitant to jump on the cat bandwagon, and, and you're thinking more about the more like the general aspect and more of the whole roster, and I'm still kind of stuck on the whole McDaniel's thing, because McDaniel's ain't going to be playing many minutes with Cat at all. Right. I mean, McDaniel's no. These ma- games are these games are relevant in the sense that they give us an insight on how to best put together a second unit. And that's exactly what I was going to say. And sure. that you're evaluating McDaniel's alongside like Ricky. You know, Jarrett Culver, Ant, and Ed Davis. 
And that could very feasibly be the second five. And right. I think if McDaniels is having a, a lot of success in that environment with those that's guys, totally fair. No, you're right. Then I think that that's absolutely going to translate to to you know the cap minutes. Um, but I, I think it's also going to be really interesting to see what happens with the five rotation, more so than the four rotation when Cat comes back, right. because now we're starting to see the Ed Davis that Gers traded for, um, that mm-hmm. that we knew or he knew that that they could get um and right. i think but davis is just going to fall out of it though i mean you think you think it's going to be do you think he'll get used in spot in spot circumstances maybe against maybe more in spot circumstances teams? but the 10 man rotation the starting center will be cat and the backup center will be I, i'd be very, very okay. surprised if it wasn't that and because there's wh- been a lot of ed davis praise in the last for sure week for sure but it's also like praising the vet guy like that's very normal you know yeah and the, the interesting thing to me that we've never seen, though it's been like hinted at for a year now, is like, you know, can Nas play the four? Can Nas play alongside Cat? Can not, you know, or can Nas play the five and Cat play the four? Sure, whatever, whatever. But but it together, is. it's not, they've they've been staggered completely. And and if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to do some Cat and Nas minutes, now now you have a you can. You could get a you know an Ed an Ed Davis into the mix there if you wanted, or play more Vanderbilt at the five minutes, all all sorts of different things. But for now, I mean, they love Nas, they love 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 Nas. And tonight's why? Yeah, it it, it, it tonight is why. It's it's great. I looked this up during the game. This will be our last day. We'll wrap up. Um, Nas Reed has taken I think it was I wrote it down somewhere, but it's like three hundred and seventy eight shots in his career now, one hundred and forty eight of which are three pointers. He's taken zero shots from deep to 16 feet to the three-point line in his career of over 350 shots he is the bench epitome of the gerson rose he's just the epitome of the gerson rose's system it's this young guy that they got on the cheapest contract ever he plays the style exactly how they want to play and and if it works out it's going to be a home run like they love nas yeah, and they should, and I, and I think too it'll help that, you know, Nas plays a very similar way to Cat in terms of it spaces the floor, sets the screens, can shoot, can you know yeah, defend it, the rim a little bit. Is where unafraid. else are you going to find a minimum contract Cat facsimile? Min- it's yeah, kind of crazy. crazy. <laughs> and I think that, and I guess too, and I also mentioned this in the, in the little Culver thread that I had was that because Nas plays very different, Ed plays very differently than Nas or Cat. I think it makes it a little tougher at times on the rest of the guys that are there. For sure. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how the rest of the roster reacts and plays kind of when the two or the five man rotation is just is just Cat and Nas again. Warriors and Warriors next two. <sighs> Dude, I'm not ready for the it's toxicity be. of trade talk and. Well, it's just going to be – it's funny because I think everyone's just thinking it's going to be a nightmare and obviously, like, the Warriors are probably going to win. But it could go the other – like, it could go the other way too, you know. Warriors got spanked tonight by the Jazz. And they and they got spanked by the Knicks the game before. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's what I'm predict, predicting at all, but it's funny because one way or the other it will be treated as a referendum of, like, the, the past oh, yeah. two years of it, you know, and uh, – I don't know. I gotta have to think about that more. I'll do another pod before Both on that, national TV, baby. It doesn't count if it's on <laughs> NBA TV. That does not. That does not count. All right, Jack Borman, we're getting we're getting kicked out of here. So, um, 
Everyone can find your stuff on Twitter at JRBorman13. Did you write a game recap up at Canis? Yep, it, it'll be up in Canis. Um, this is not actually live, so by yeah, the time so they're listening it, to it, it's it, it over there at CanisSuperstock.com. Sweet. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. You saved me much time post-game by just being <laughs> able to shoot it rather than having to talk to myself for a half hour. So yeah. thank you. It's It's been great to be in here for, for, um, for a few games and um, heading back east, but but um, yeah, it's been fun, and and, and appreciate appreciate you having me. And we'll do it again sometime, or we'll do it over Zoom. That's right. Cool. F- bidding farewell to a to a very empty and <laughs> and dark Target Center. <laughs> it's very dark. All right, I will be back um, perhaps before the Warriors game. I don't really have a plan yet, uh, but if not after the Warriors game, until then, I'm Dane. Wolves win. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd, yeah. yeah.